Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the upstate of South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune. Obviously, I am a realtor. As I always tell you guys, I am a realtor here in the upstate of South Carolina, and I'm happy to help you out with any of your real estate needs. Should you need to reach me, all of my contact information is in the show notes. And just a reminder, as always, please make sure that you have subscribed to the show, that you uh, download episodes if you want to, um, and that you leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If you can just take a minute to do that, it doesn't take very long, even just saying, love the show, something like that. Uh, That's great. I want to try to get as many listeners to the show as possible. Um, It's really been uh, a great thing, an enjoyable thing for me, and also uh, a help to my business um, and a help to a lot of people out there as well. And so I want to try to get that out to as many people as possible. Today, we are going to be talking about short-term rentals versus long-term rentals. Because uh, this comes up a lot in, in a lot of different conversations, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the differences between these two types of rentals. And and short-term rentals, uh, we can just go ahead and start by defining what the differences are here. A long-term renter, at least the way I define it, is someone that is under a lease for at least six months. At least a six-month lease. Now, maybe that lease has ended and now they are just going month to month, that would still be a long-term rental. They were at some point under a long-term lease uh, agreement. Whereas a short-term rental is less than six months, whether it be month to month, whether it be day to day. Uh, Some people in their mind conflate uh, Airbnb or uh, VRBO, which now they, they like to be called Verbo, which uh, I don't like. I still call them VRBO. Um, but some people kind of conflate those two things in their mind, which is fine. Um, it, that's not entirely uh, accurate, though, because there are a lot of short-term rentals that are not on Airbnb and are not on VRBO that are situations where people are uh, renting out their house month to month to people that... Um, are, are are moving to uh, to the area and just need a place to stay to stay month to month, um, or uh, maybe they are renting it out to traveling nurses, which is a very common and, and a very large market actually. Um, just a variety of of different things there that can fall under the short term rental bucket that don't apply to Airbnb. That being said. Um, In this discussion, I'm going to kind of, uh, when I talk about the short-term rentals, I'm going to be talking about it through more of an Airbnb slash VRBO lens. Um, Because ultimately, that that short-term rental market that is just the month-to-month market, it is very similar to long-term rentals in a lot of ways. Now, some of this discussion will apply to to those as well, but those are kind of in-between. So... There's kind of a spectrum here. You've got the long-term rentals. You've got the the ultra short-term rentals, Airbnb uh, types of uh, of properties, and then you've got those that are in the min- in the middle that are the ones you know being rented out month to month to traveling nurses and such. Um, I'm not going to so much address that one in the middle as the two on the the far sides of the of the pendulum here. Um, if, if I'm using that term correctly. I guess it would be, if it's a pendulum, it would be the far sides of the clock 
Um, I think I just coined a, a new phrase. In any event, um, we're going to be talking about basically a traditional long-term rental, which is a something on a 6 to 12-month lease, versus a ultra short-term rental, which would be something that would oftentimes be advertised on a site like Airbnb or VRBO. So um, let's just kick this right off with some practical things here. Practically, the and we've talked about this a little bit in past shows, but practically speaking, cities and HOAs do not like uh, properties that are short-term rentals. They do not like properties that are Airbnbs. Um, the cities try to uh, treat those properties as hotels, um, which is understandable in a lot of ways. But with that comes licensing, with that comes additional hospitality taxes, uh, things that uh, people don't want to pay and, and don't want to do, obviously. Um, obviously, there's tighter regulations as well that, that go along with that. Um, HOAs, same thing. HOAs, a lot of them have written into their bylaws that um, lease agreements, any type of rented property must have a lease agreement of no shorter than six months. So again, this is where we get that six-month time time frame from. A lot of HOAs have that written right into their uh, right into their bylaws, into their covenants and restrictions. Um, and I'm not aware of any communities that do not allow rental properties at all. And when we're talking about long-term rentals, it, it there are probably some somewhere. I'm I'm sure that there's some somewhere here in the Upstate that don't allow any rentals at all. But that's that's not a, a, a compelling sell for most homeowners. Remember, homeowners associations exist to serve the homeowner. Most homeowners want to be able to have some flexibility to do what they want to do with their home. So, uh, whereas some people, un- understandably, don't want there to be a bunch of Airbnbs in their property, um, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later, why, that's, uh, why some people don't like that. Um, but as far as long-term rentals, people typically want to have the option of being able to rent out their house for six or 12 months. Let's say that they, uh, end up going somewhere else for a year. Let's say that they end up moving out of their home and deciding, you know, Hey, I've got enough money that I don't have to sell this. I can, I can float two mortgages or perhaps they paid the house off. And they want to rent it out now. People typically want that flexibility. Uh, and so usually you don't run into any legal issues with having a long-term rental property, a, a rental property of at least a, a 6- or 12-month lease. Some HOAs say it has to be 12 months. Um, so that's something to consider as well. Um, another very practical thing differentiating these two things, and I've just alluded to it, um, short-term rental properties... Airbnb types of properties, by and large, neighbors don't really love them, okay? Neighbors don't love the idea of uh, the fact that, you know, there might be parties going on. There's unpredictability with who's going to be next door. I've heard some neighbors uh, with regard to uh, an Airbnb property that I have concerned about property values, concerned about, you know, the, the... community just becoming a party community, um, kind of silly concerns on a lot of levels. Um, but nonetheless, that is a common complaint. Neighbors 
it's just the reality of the situation. Neighbors don't love them. That's why so many HOAs have outlawed them. Whereas with long-term rentals, uh, your neighbors might not love that as well, um, but it's more tenant-dependent, right? If they like the tenant, then they're going to be fully okay with that property being used as a rental. If they don't like the tenant, then they're not going to be happy about it. And that's just, at the end of the day, is just how it goes. You only have so much control over that in, in either direction. Um, so, so those are just some practical things right away, like right on the surface that are easy to understand, easy to comprehend, easy for me to explain that differentiate the short-term rental market from the long-term rental market. From the get-go, you need to consider if you're in city limits, if you're in an HOA, you might be in trouble. That might be a deal breaker in terms of being able to use the property as a short-term rental. You, you're going to probably put up with more flack from your neighbors if you go the short-term rental route as well. But getting kind of underneath the surface and thinking about this, uh, now that I've done this, I, I've had a uh, property that's been on, on Airbnb for about a year, uh, sorry, about two years now, um, which is a very interesting time. You know, the majority of that time we've been in a pandemic. Um, so not exactly the best time to have a short-term rental property. Um, but I've learned a lot from it. And I think that the key thing that kind of uh, the main differentiator between short-term rentals and long-term rentals that if you haven't done it, it's hard to comprehend, but once you do it, it makes so much sense, is that a short-term rental, it really is like a hotel. And so I, I do understand some of the city's arguments that it should be treated like a hotel, in terms of, of how you have to operate it and how you have to run it, you really do, in a lot of ways, have to run it like a hotel. It is a business. It's not a rental in a lot of ways. It is a business. And as such, um, you have to, to build that business. Whereas a rental property, a long-term rental property, is kind of... Oh, you, you may have just heard a weather alert coming on my phone. Let me make sure I silence my phone and all that. Uh, we we have tornado watches in, in the area as I'm recording this on uh, Tuesday the 17th. Um, uh, anyway, as I was saying, um, you have to build your short-term rental business, whereas a long-term rental property is plug and play. You acquire that rental property. If it doesn't have tenants, you just need to get that property in good enough condition. Maybe it already is in good enough condition. You can rent that thing out right away. And whatever the market says that property is worth, you're going to get that amount of rent, assuming that you play your cards right. Whereas with Airbnb, you've got to build it. Like when you first get that property on that website or on VRBO, um, you have to almost build a customer base. And in, in some areas, and some, you know, particularly if you're on the coast, you might have people that reserve it a year in advance and that keep coming back, that are actual repeat customers that keep coming back year after year. Um, but regardless of whether you have repeat customers, as you're starting to, to build up reviews and as you're starting to, to gain a reputation, that then increases your customer base. It's like a restaurant. A restaurant, as it gets more positive reviews on Yelp or on Google or whatever the case, that drives more traffic there. I base a lot of my dining decisions, new places that I want to try based on what type of reviews they get on Yelp, 
with movies. I look at, before I watch a movie, I will typically look at the movie reviews. I don't want to get an hour into a movie and then be like, this isn't going anywhere. Um, I want to make sure that I'm making a good choice. Well, same thing when people are, are assessing, okay, which, you know, I'm coming to Greenville for a week. I want to either stay in a hotel or I want to stay in an Airbnb type of property. What are my options? What What are the prices? What are the reviews? They're looking at all of these things. And when you first start, you have to have a lower price and you're not going to have any reviews. And so people have to be willing to look at all the options and say, this is, I'm willing to take a chance with this. The pictures look good. It doesn't have reviews, but but the pictures look good. The property manager may have a good reputation. That factors in sometimes, um, oftentimes, I should say. Um, and uh, and then the price, of course, as well. So that's usually why people are, are going to be more willing at the beginning to take a chance on a place that doesn't have many or any reviews is if the price is compelling enough that it's like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and take a chance with this. What could I, how could I go wrong? Um, and so I, I think everything else underneath this is important to realize that an Airbnb, a short-term rental type of property, a day-to-day short-term rental type of property is a business. It is not a rental property. In the, in the traditional sense of the word. You can't think of it as just a normal rental property. So you might be a great landlord and you might find being a landlord very rewarding and a, and a great way to, to make money or whatever the case may be, but you might be a terrible manager of an Airbnb property. If you're not a good business person, if you don't know how to run a business, you might not be able to to uh, operate an Airbnb property. So so those are things to consider. So let's go another layer beneath the surface here. So what are some of the things that uh, that practically speaking, how how does that play itself out? How does that play itself out? So um, obviously, one thing that people think when they think of having a property on Airbnb versus having a property um, just as a long-term rental, they're thinking, I can make a lot more money. That's that's what goes on in a lot of people's minds. And so they're, they're looking at this and they're saying, okay, there's 30 days. I could rent this out, this property out for maybe $100 a night. Um, and there's 30 days in the month. You know, that's a potential of like $3,000 a month. Whereas if I rented this out as a long-term rental, I might get fifteen or $1,600. So it's double, Right. That's that's what I'll hear people say. Well, yes, that is true. Um, in a lot of cases, you can bring in double the rent that you would with a long-term rental, but your costs, your expenses are substantially higher. In some cases, it might be double or more in terms of your expenses versus a, uh, a long-term rental. Now, you still have all the same expenses with a short-term rental as you do with a long-term rental, but then a whole lot more on top of it. So obviously, you've got to furnish the place. So that might be an initial overhead expense that you have to do. You have to furnish it. You have to you know, have everything uh, really nice in there. And I know from my own experience, people break the furniture. Like It's incredible how often people will break the furniture. I had to uh, replace all of my dining room tables. Uh, sorry, all of my dining room chairs. 
in my Airbnb property. I have no idea um, how people just destroyed uh, my dining room chairs, but they did. Somehow, some way, that's what happened. Um, so you've got things like that. Um, obviously, you have to pay for utilities, including, you know, potentially like a direct TV or something like that, which can be expensive. Um, you, you've got cost of water, cost of electricity. Of course, people don't, really don't care uh, whether that toilet is just running because they're not paying for the water. So, you know, you might have a situation where there is something that's leaking or whatever the case may be, and you don't even find out about it until your water bill is excessive that, that month. So that's something to consider as well. Obviously, you have cleaning fees um, after every renter comes in there, after every guest comes in there, you've got to clean the property. And then sometimes you have to do more of a deep clean as well. Um, obviously, that's something that for a long-term rental, you only have to do once the tenant moves out. You've got higher management fees and in many cases, double the cost. So a, a standard management fee for a long-term rental is 10% of the gross rents. A standard Airbnb uh, property management fee is 20 to 25 percent. Now I have seen it as low as 15 percent, but it oftentimes is 20 to 25 percent of the gross rent. So that's a a big big difference, obviously, that you have to consider a massive right off the top uh, overhead expense. Which, of course, think about it this way: if you've got 10 percent of property management fees on a property that is bringing in 1,500 a month. That's only $150. I mean, that's a lot of money, obviously, but it's $150. Think about it. If if you are making more income, but then your management fee goes up to 20%, you're paying, let's say now you're bringing in $3,000 a month for, the, for that property. You're paying the property manager $600 a month if your management fee is 20% of the gross rents. So uh, it can actually be you think of it as, well, it's double, but actually it's more like quadruple the property management fees. Um, so that's a very important thing to consider. Of course, you can manage yourself, um, but I don't um, I don't have time for that. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. Um, I stick with what I'm good at. I'm good at uh, real estate. I'm good as a realtor. I'm good at investing in real estate. I'm not good at the day-to-day -day management side of things. So I have property managers for everything, uh, everything, every rental property that I have. Um, insurance costs more. That's another one, <clears throat> excuse me, to, uh, to consider. Uh, there's a lot more liability when you're talking about a, a short-term rental versus a long-term rental. And so insurance is going to cost more. Of course, you can lie uh, to your insurance agent and not tell them that it's a short-term rental. But you could also be denied a claim on the basis of that and or, and or get yourself in legal trouble. So I don't recommend doing that. And then there's just a whole bunch of other things. I mean, uh, you know, having like little gift baskets for the, for the guests when they come in. And, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you've got to have a bunch of towels and you have to replace those things. I mean, soap, ongoing, uh, all sorts of different things like that. It is a hotel. You are managing a hotel when you have an Airbnb property. And hotels have a lot of overhead. And so you have to consider that. Um, whereas when it's a long-term rental, really your expenses um, are usually only, obviously you've got potentially property management fees. Maybe you're responsible for the landscaping, 
which you're still responsible for in an Airbnb property. Um, but most of the upkeep of the home is minor things. And of course, you're not paying for furniture. That's the tenant's responsibility. Um, usually the tenants don't want to contact the, the landlord for, uh, you know, repairing things unless it's like a major thing, like the AC goes out or something like that. Oftentimes, tenants will just kind of take care of things themselves um, if it's just a minor a minor thing, or, or perhaps they'll just ignore it. Um, now, where that changes is once the tenant moves out. And so then once the tenant moves out, you might have a, a big mess on your hands. You might have to make a lot of repairs. You might have to replace appliances. You may have a lot of different things that you have to do at that point. Um, and... And that's something that we're going to talk about a, a little bit here uh, in just a few minutes. Um, obviously, from a management standpoint, management of an Airbnb, uh, kind of to piggyback on that last point, management is much more hands-on. Um, there is much more uh, communication with the guests. Obviously, there's vetting of the guests, making sure that they um, are you know, going there for the right reasons. You might have restrictions on uh, why guests can stay there. You know, for instance, if if guests are wanting to have a party, you may have a no party restriction. You just say, no, we're not going to allow you in there because you're planning to have a party. Find someone else that's uh, that's willing to let you stay there and have a party. Um, and of course, there's a ton of pressure to keep reviews positive. You you If you start to get negative reviews, if you start, if those start to flow in, you're gonna find yourself in a really tricky situation really quickly. I had a, a situation uh, earlier this summer with my Airbnb property, where we had right at the end of our normal pest control treatment schedule. This always happens. Um, right at the end, when the the pest treatment has started to to worn off, and it it needs that new um, that new spray, that new treatment, we always get some ants or some those big cockroaches that we call palmetto bugs uh, around here. And we naturally, right at the end, like we always do, we had some that got through the barrier and got into the house. And we had someone uh, that posted a negative review about that. But of course, we immediately took care of it as soon as we found out about it. Um, and we we did what we could. Well, then the next guest that came in also mentioned that they saw some, and then it was like, oh, no. Um, if we have multiple negative reviews that say there are roaches in this property, like that could be really, really bad. Um, so there was a little bit of pressure there. Now, we took care of it. It didn't end up being a big deal, at least as, so far as I know, um, but that was something that that started to be like, oh man, this could this could go south really, really quickly. Um, whereas with a long-term rental, you have no concerns about that. Maybe a tenant has a really bad experience and leaves at the end of their lease because they hated working with you and they hated the house and they hated this and they hated that. They hated the neighbors. They don't like the dog next door that's barking. You can always start fresh with a new tenant and they are none the wiser there are no reviews being left about the property, and it's a it's a fresh start for for all parties. Um, with regard to money, um, obviously, when something is booked through Airbnb, there is kind of a guarantee of money, and VRBO is is similar. 
Um, Airbnb kind of ensures that, right? Um, but, of course, people can try to swindle you out of that. So the, uh, the guy that I mentioned before that complained about cockroaches uh, basically tried to barter, hey, if you let me stay here for half the price, then I won't leave a negative review. Well, we went back and forth with the person over that. It was an unreasonable request because it was a long stay. Um, that would have really hurt us for that month. Not to mention that we tried to, as soon as we found out about the roaches, we, we did our best to address it. And, you know, there's this is the South. And there are a lot of trees and whatnot in that backyard. You're going to get roaches. You're going to get those palmetto bugs in there. Um, and anyway, that person tried to swindle us, really swindle us out of money. Um, it, it was almost like blackmail was the way uh, he, he handled it. And uh, in the end, we didn't end up uh, negotiating at all. We just absorbed the negative review and just he had to pay the full price. And that was just because he was unreasonable. Um, so you do have that. Um, I, that's fairly uncommon. I've not run into that a whole lot. We've run into it a few times, a few minor times, but generally speaking, that's not happening. Um, whereas with long-term rentals, you have a little bit more risk in some ways with this because a tenant can, if, if for whatever reason, uh, they lose their job or they're disrupted by COVID, which of course we've talked about eviction moratoriums ad nauseum on this podcast, um, which can really put you in a bind if, if you're a landlord with a long-term rental. Um, you could just have a tenant that stops paying. And if there's an eviction moratorium preventing you from evicting, you're in big trouble now. Um, you're not going to have that money coming in. Um, and But regardless, if they stop paying or if they don't pay you know, the full amount and then they start dragging things out, blah, blah, blah. You have to deal with that. That's something that uh, is just another thing that you have to handle in order to make sure that that the money comes in. It's on you. You're, that is the big, one of the big responsibilities of managing a long-term rental is just making sure the money comes in, whereas that's really a minor part of the short-term rental side of things. And, you know, we mentioned evictions. Um, of course, with short-term rentals, you don't have evictions. And so that's really nice. You don't have to worry about that. I mean, I guess in theory you could. Um, now, Airbnb has, uh, you know, some things in place to protect, um, you know, somewhat to protect the landlords, to protect the business. Um, obviously, guests on there, there's kind of a rating system for them as well. Um, and if a, if a guest does things that are not right, or if they don't follow through on their side of the bargain, that's something that uh, they can get in trouble for. Um, but regardless, it's very unusual to have to evict in a short-term rental type of situation. But there are other issues. I mean, I, one that I ran into recently, I got a phone call from a neighbor that was like, Hey, um, just so you know, there are 11 cars parked in front of your Airbnb property. And I was like, oh my goodness, we have a no party rule. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of like, why on earth would there be 11 cars parked out here? So I immediately called the property manager um, that I have, and they got on the phone with, with the uh, guests 
And the guests, you know, basically tried to exploit a loophole that it wasn't a party. It was just a get together. It's just a bunch of camp counselors that were just having dinner together or something like that. And it's like, no, that that's a party. You know, it's like maybe there maybe there wasn't confetti and, and gifts being given out, but that's functionally a party. Um, and so we run into situations like that. Um, so you don't have necessarily the nuclear situations that you have with a long-term rental where, you know, I did have a tenant one time, just completely a long-term tenant, just tear up a rental property. Um, you don't run into that in theory with Airbnb because of the protections that are in place there. Um, but at the same time, there are other, you're trading that out for other headaches, we'll call them, uh, that you could run into. Um, last but not least, but I think that this is a, a very uh, under-the-radar aspect of this and very much plays into the differences of, of this being a business versus this being uh, a rental property in the long-term versus short-term discussion. But in the short-term rental space, it is a completely different flow of money. Um, the way money comes in and the way money comes out is dramatically different. And maybe the simplest way is to think of this is to start with thinking about long-term rentals. Um, with a long-term rental, it's, it's really simple. You've got the amount of rent that they are paying you. Let's call it $1,500 a month. And really... Your goal, you just want to make sure, obviously, that that $1,500 covers all your expenses, your property taxes, your insurance, your mortgage, your property management fees, your maintenance. And then you have to account for vacancies. And that's the tricky one, right? Because it's hard to know when you're going to have a vacancy, but you have to account for that in one form or another. And the vacancies are, are concentrated, right? When you have a vacancy, when you have a tenant that gives you 30 days notice, okay, basically they leave, they finally get out of the property. Now you've got to go in there and assess, okay, what needs to be done here? Then you've got to go do that, do those things. Then you put it back on for rent. Then you have to find a tenant. Then you have to get it filled. So there could be a several month lag uh, several months of vacancies because, you know, just the normal uh, way that this works in between tenants. Now, if the tenant does a lot of damage to the property, you might have that property down for half a year. And so if you aren't prepared, uh, you might find yourself in a really bad situation where uh, you're not getting any income for that property for several months while you're having to, your expenses have now shot way up, right? Because normally your expenses are just a little bit of maintenance, you know, just your mortgage, your property taxes, your insurance, your property management fee, maybe, maybe you know, landscaping fees. You know what those are every month and your, your income that you bring in covers all of that. So you're good. Um, but if you have a, uh, a, major rehab that has to happen after a tenant goes out, your expenses have just all of a sudden gone from, okay, here's, it's normally a thousand a month. Now you've got a month where you have to drop six, seven, eight thousand dollars into the property and you find yourself 
simultaneously getting hammered on the other end of things that you're not having that $1,500 a month come in uh, that you're used to. And so, it, again, if you're not prepared, you can be completely caught off guard and bamboozled by that. Um, and that's where a lot of landlords get in trouble because they don't prepare. They don't uh, have reserve funds. You know, they take the rent that they get from a property and they just pocket that and they spend it and go do something with it rather than ensuring that they have an adequate reserve fund. And so that's a, uh, a major uh, a major consideration in the long-term rental space. In the short-term rental space, it's complete. all of that is completely different. So your vacancies are not concentrated. They're spread out throughout the year. So you might have a month where your vacancy rate was 50% for that month. But then the next month, your vacancy rate was only 5%. You had almost the entire month booked up. Um, additionally, uh, because of that, obviously some months you're going to make a lot more money than other months. And, and some months, you know, your expenses are going to be a lot more variable than other months. You know, I just mentioned that I had to, to buy a bunch of dining room chairs. Uh, well, that was a random expense that I wasn't exactly expecting to have to spend, but that's the kind of thing that happens. Um, but what's happening is that you are um, keeping up with the property rather than the property kind of going into decline. Like when you have a long-term tenant, the property, um, unless it's just a great tenant, obviously, but typically the property is kind of going into decline. There's some deferred maintenance that's happening. The tenant is not keeping up with the property perfectly. Uh, whereas with uh, an Airbnb, a short-term rental type of property, you have to keep up with it. When a guest... When their time ends, you have to go in there, clean it. Anything that was that was broken, that needs to be fixed if it wasn't already fixed. And so you're keeping up with it. And so in theory, outside of, you know, like a roof that, that just gets old, goes bad, or an AC uh, that needs to be replaced, something like that, you really shouldn't have any times where there's just like a massive expense that happens that you need to take care of. You should be keeping up with it um, as... Each month goes by. And so, again, it's thinking about it more like a business where you're having some months that are good, some months that aren't so good, um, but ultimately everything is being kept up with. Whereas with a long term rental, it's just going to be pretty flat. You're, you're pretty much going to know each month this is what I'm going to bring in, this is what I'm going to put out until that tenant leaves and then that's when you're going to have a tremendous amount probably of expenses combined with the fact that there's not going to be any income. With an Airbnb uh, type of property, it's much more predictable. Yes, you may have a month where you lose money. That that can happen. Or maybe a month where uh, you essentially break even. You know, it's very seasonal. S pretty much anywhere the summer months are going to do better than the winter months. Um, in some markets, perhaps the fall months, you know, for instance, in the mountains, Gatlinburg, whatever, uh, the fall months might be very good. Um, in some markets where it's more of a skiing type of market, perhaps the winter months are good. So it it just depends. One month is going to vary from the next, but it's you're not going to run into a month where you have a zero vacancy rate 
like you or, or sorry, a uh, 100% vacancy rate, a zero occupancy rate, like you do with long-term rentals. Um, and so there is a little bit more uh, predictability within the unpredictability, if that makes sense. You you know that you're not just going to be completely crushed for a, a month or two. Um, you might not do well for a month or two, but you're not going to be crushed, hopefully. <laughs> um, whereas with long-term rentals, you could. So uh, that is, and again, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but just that flow of money is just very different. Um, and I always encourage everyone with rental properties, you must, you have to have a reserve fund. You can't find yourself in a situation where you're taking money out of your personal bank account in order to pay for a rental property. Obviously, you, you might have different accounts doing different things. And of course, I have to always say, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not giving financial advice. Um, but my recommendation is that you have money set aside for your rental properties because you're going to need it. You're going to have something that comes up, and um, you don't want to be, you know, robbing from Peter to pay Paul, a phrase that my, my wife loves. She was questioning me what that means recently. Um, it's a great phrase, though, right? Um, you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, make sure that you're running a business like a business should be run. Businesses have reserve funds. Businesses are prepared uh, for slow seasons. And if you have an Airbnb property, you have to be prepared for that. And if you have a long-term rental, you have to be prepared for a vacancy. You have to be ready for when that comes that you're not all of a sudden finding yourself with your pants down. Oh my goodness, I need to drop $10,000 into this property while simultaneously it's not bringing me income. What am I going to do? So uh, you have to be prepared for that or else you'll find yourself in that situation of so many landlords where they have to dump off a great property for below market value because they find themselves in financial trouble. Well, this episode has gone longer than I anticipated, but I hope it was helpful. I enjoyed it. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it as well. If you have any questions, let me know. Make sure that you uh, find my contact information in the show notes. If you don't already have it, uh, you can reach out to me however you want, text, email, phone call, I'm available. Um, as well, please make sure that you subscribe to the show, uh, that you uh, follow the show, whatever your app says that you need to do. Download episodes, that's helpful. Leave a rating, leave a review, I appreciate that. Stay away from the tornadoes, stay away from the tropical depression or whatever it is that's coming up, uh, and keep yourself safe. We'll talk next time.